You are listening to a podcast from Vineyard Church of Augusta. For more information, visit vineyardaugusta.org. So this morning, we continue our message series in Ephesians, and uh, good stuff happening with this theme of fresh reformation. Uh, We're looking at chapter 4. If you're reading along, if you want to turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to begin with verse 17. Uh, Paul's got a lot that he's talking about this morning in uh, these uh, these verses that we're going to be looking at that actually take us through the beginning of chapter 5. He's got a lot going on. We're going to try to hit some of the high points. Uh, there's a lot here. I hope that you are spending some time on your own reading through Ephesians as we go through this message. Uh, this second half of Paul's letter, uh, chapters 4 through 6, Paul is really focusing on how we flesh out, how we live out, how we become incarnational in terms of our faith, that it's not just this thing that we think about or meditate on, but it's something that we actually live out. Uh, Biblical Christianity is not meant to be some sort of little accessory to our lives, okay? Like, Uh, like a pen or a hat or a cap or a scarf that we put on to go with some sort of outfit. No, Christianity, biblical Christianity is meant to be the entire outfit. It is what we are to be fully clothed in, not some little side accessory that we choose to put on from time to time when it's convenient. Uh, And that's today I want to talk about, and Paul's talking about this idea of a full integration that our, our faith is to be fully integrated into every part of our lives. And he hits a lot of points this morning. He hits our thoughts, our senses, our identity in Christ, our words, our emotion, our work, our everything. I mean, he's got a lot going on in these verses. No part is left out. Uh, and so uh, it's about inviting God's rule and reign to all of this. So we've got a lot, of cu- lot to cover this morning, so let's dive right in. Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17, we're going to read through the second verse in chapter, f- chapter 5. Paul writes, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that's pretty strong language, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood And speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Quote, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need." 
Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that we don't need to to bless your word. Your word is anointed. Your word is spirit breathed and alive. We ask, Holy Spirit, that you would bless our ears and our hearts and our minds to receive your word this morning. And I pray for myself, God, that you would just uh, use me to speak your heart to this congregation, this church family that you love, that you care for, that you are so for in every way. Come, Holy Spirit, do your good work. Come and highlight in our minds, in our hearts, and our spirits the things that you want to speak to each one of us this morning, separately, individually, and collectively as a church body. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So full integration is what we're talking about. Paul begins this letter with a call to, to this section of his letter, to, with a call to live differently, okay? It's like, I, I'm calling you... As Gentiles, he's writing, he knows he's writing to Gentiles, but I don't want you to live or think or be as Gentiles. So he's like, I'm calling you to live differently, to go against the grain, to swim against the tide. And and this is not a call to them or to us to be weird, okay? How many of us know that in certain pockets of Christianity that it's like, okay, we're, they're just weird. And they, they put it under an umbrella of spirituality. And it's like, no, it's just weird. You know, that's just weird. That's nothing that's honoring to God or, you know, points to Jesus. That's just weird. Have you ever met any of those people? Have you ever, maybe, yeah, yeah. I mean, come on, let's just be real. Uh, that's, yeah, we're supposed to go against the grain but we're not supposed to be weird just for the sake of being weird. Uh, Now, will following Jesus cause us to go in a different path? You bet it will. You bet it will cause us to have a different mindset, but this is not a call just to be weird for the sake of being weird. That's not what he's talking about here. Uh, Living in contrast to our broken world, it's going to happen naturally when we sync up with Jesus. When we choose to be followers of Jesus, we're going to go against the grain. We're going to go against our cultural trends, uh, but we're not going to be just weird for the sake of being weird. We're going to be different, or maybe we will come across as weird to the world because we are following Jesus, not just because we're seeking just to be weird. Uh, We're following Jesus, and yes, there will be a contrast. There should be a contrast in how we love and how we serve and how we care for and how we give of ourselves and the way we live generously toward others. Because remember, Jesus came to earth, and he came to bring the kingdom of God. And to the world that he came to, it seemed like an upside-down kingdom 
when in actuality, it was the right side up compared to the brokenness of the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of this world. And so how do we live in sync with Jesus? It's all about living in intimacy with him. That close relationship where we're talking with him, we're listening to him in the everyday stuff of our lives. We're reading his word. We're listening to what he's saying to us. We're we're talking, we're listening, we're communing with him. We're spending time with him. And this is how that intimacy occurs. That's how the intimacy is developed. And that's how we are able to discern how to follow him, how to hear the Holy Spirit's voice, how to respond and to follow Jesus. And, and syncing up with him. And yes, there will be a contrast uh, with the world around us. Paul says that they, meaning the world around, they are darkened in their understanding and they're separated from the life of God, of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts, having lost all sensitivity, sensitivity to what is right and what is good, what is holy to the Holy Spirit. They give themselves over to sensuality. Basically, If I feel it, if I want it, if I desire it, then it must be good. It must be right. And so therefore I give myself to it so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they are full of greed. And so this separation from God, this lack of intimacy with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, it leaves us completely lost in spiritual darkness. It leaves us far away from God and far away from his goodness. And, and I don't have to tell you, you live in the same world that I live in. You live in the same culture that I live in. And, uh, you know, I've lived long enough to recognize that just a few years ago, there were things that the majority of our culture said, no, that is wrong. That is not good. With just a few years later, it's like, it's all right now. I think it's okay. I mean, we could, we could name those things that is quote unquote culturally acceptable that just a few years ago was, no, that's wrong. That's not right. There's nothing good. There's nothing right in that. We've seen it. We've seen the the tide of our culture shift and change. And that's why Paul is saying here, and we certainly see it in our own day and time, that apart from God, we have no spiritual moorings. We have no no true north. We, We lose sight of what's right and what's wrong. Uh, And if we think if, well, if I desire it and I want it, then it must be good and it must be right. And it's always interesting to me that when we say, well, that's how I am or that's how God made me, typically it leads to some sort of selfish behavior. It never points to selfless behavior, does it? It's like, okay, this is how God made me. That's why I am so kind. That's why I am so generous. That's why I am so loving. No, we, we never hear that. It's, it's, it's about I'm, I'm this way and therefore it justifies my greed, my selfishness, my self-centeredness. And uh, that is not the way of Jesus. That is not being in sync with him. Seeing God's kingdom fully integrated in our lives requires us to first think differently because we are different people. Again, I remind you, Paul is writing here to Gentiles. He's writing to the Ephesian church, and this letter likely got passed to the other Gentile churches. And, and he's, he's writing to a group of Gentiles, but he's telling you them, hey, 
Don't think like Gentiles, even though he knows they are Gentiles, because he's calling them, he's calling us to think as the new creations that we are in Christ Jesus, to put on new clothing, to have a new identity. And the Holy Spirit empowers us. He is the one who empowers us to to take the actions that Paul speaks of specifically here to put off the old way of being human in order to put on a new way of being human, which is life to the full in Jesus Christ. And this this is a call to set aside disobedience and to put on obedience. It's as simple as that. I had breakfast with a guy a few weeks ago who, who's been in our church. He was in our church many years ago, and he went away for a while, and he came back. And he reminded me, he said, Reese, one of the last sermons I heard you preach many years ago was in, in a conversation that we had was the fruit of obedience. And I didn't remember the sermon. I didn't remember the conversation. But he came back and said, I just want you to know that that stuck with me. And, and the Holy Spirit really used that to show me some things in my life and in my relationships and the way I was living. And he said, I'm sitting here across from this table with you today to let you know that God's been blessing. I've been seeing the fruit of obedience in my life. And and I'm I'm so thankful for that. I didn't remember it. But it's true. Not because I said it, but because it's in God's word. And he promises that, that he always blesses obedience. We don't get to dictate when and how he's going to bless it. But he always blesses it. And, and this idea of putting off the old self and putting on the new self, it's really simple. It's just about being obedient to God's word. It's as simple as that. We like to make it so profound and so complicated and so deep. I'm sorry that I'm so shallow, but I, you know, but it comes in handy sometimes. It really, really does. It's really simple, guys. It really is simple. God's word is really clear. He calls us to trust him, to trust him in his love, his goodness, his kindness, and to recognize that his way is the best way. It goes back, God, do as I read your word and when I see you calling me to your way that is in opposition to my way or maybe what my senses are telling me that I want and what is good for Reese, Do I trust you? Do I trust that you love me? Do I trust that you truly are good and that your way is better for me? I've been a follower of Jesus a long time, and I wish I could say that I settled that thing many, 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 many years ago, and I did. But then I found myself settling it again over and over. And that's just part of our ongoing journey with the Holy Spirit, with God, with with Jesus, and, and I'm thankful that he never, I've never, ever experienced where my selfishness, my disobedience led to something better than God's best. And I, I, and I would be willing, if I were a betting pastor, and I am not, but if I were, I'd bet you the same thing in your own life. I would, I would do that. The Holy Spirit will, not, um, will help us not be deceived by our thoughts, whether they are thoughts of greed or lust that whisper in our ear and tell us, oh, this is what you need. This is what is best for you. With the Holy Spirit's help, a thing we call discernment, uh, we are able to 
namely uh, name and recognize what, 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 okay, where did that emotion, where did that, that desire, where did that temptation come from? Where did it come from? We learn to recognize the deceitful whispers. We name them, and then we learn to reject them with the power of the Holy Spirit. But that is part of the intentionality of Paul talking about we need to put on these new garments. We need to put on this new identity. And, and how many of you have ever taken dance lessons before? Yeah, we got, we got a few folks who've taken some dance lessons. Now, I like to dance. I'm more of just a freestyle kind of guy. But Mary Margaret and I have taken some dance lessons through the years, and they were fun, and, and eventually I got them. But you know how at the beginning, it's very mechanical. I mean, it can be, you know, one, two, three. You know, it's very, it can be very, very mechanical, and it's not real fluid, like dancing with the stars kind of vibe. You know, it's, you're not there yet. And I got to, I, I, this whole process of, of recognizing where thoughts are coming from or desires are coming from, at first, sometimes it can be somewhat mechanical. It's not like a dance that you just sort of know innately and fluidly. You begin to recognize, okay, where did that thought come from? Why am I having this desire at this moment? Where did that come from? What's, what's behind that? To recognize it, where it's coming from, and then to say, okay, God, what, what, what does your word have to say about this issue? Maybe it's greed and the love of money. Or maybe it's about lust or broken sexuality. Uh, maybe it's about anger uh, and just letting it control you. A, a variety of things. But where does this come from? And then recognizing, God, what is, what is your plan? What is your good purpose? And we choose to reject that. We recognize these things. We reject it. And at first, it's very stiff and mechanical. But then there is a fluidity that can come. Full integration is, is like that. It's, it's about just recognizing those kinds of patterns. But this is not just uh, something that Paul is talking about regarding our vertical relationship with God. It's also something that he is talking and naming in terms of our horizontal relationships with one another. Uh, he gets really, really practical in this next section uh, as he invites us and encourages us to invite God's rule and reign into our day-to-day Horizontal relationships. And one, this is one of the primary places that we can cult, cultivate and nurture our lives as followers of Jesus in these human relationships. Um, and how we relate to one another, how we interact, how we care for, um, how we choose to, to just deal with one another. Uh, God wants us to be filled with his kingdom power. Yes, we emphasize that a lot here at the Vineyard. But not apart from his kingdom character. Okay. Um, in fact, I've been around the block enough to know that when I see people operating in the power of the Holy Spirit, also with the character of the fruit of the Spirit, it is a powerful combination. Uh, too often I see one without the other. And that's not God's plan for us. It's a both and. It's not an either or. So he calls us to operate in every facet of our lives, including our personal relationships, that the fruit of the Holy Spirit would be there. Lives of selflessness, preferring others over ourselves. And, and Paul specifically here in verse 25 says, you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. And to that I ask you, as someone who's been a part of this church family for a long time, do we value relationships enough to be willing to have hard, honest, truthful conversations? Do we? Now, I've got 
richness of relationship with a number of people here that I can look at certain faces and like, yeah, we've had some hard conversations. And uh, they weren't easy. And they weren't comfortable necessarily. But I'm thankful that in the large majority of those hard conversations, I can look and say, you know what? There was richness. There was strengthening that occurred as a result of sometimes the other person initiating those hard conversations with me and sometimes me initiating those conversations with the other person or sometimes there being a mutuality of us coming together. It's like, you know what? Something's not right. Something's not right, and I care enough for you, I care enough about our relationship to be willing to say, what, what's going on here? And um, I would just say that I think a lot of our lives are filled with very veneer, uh, finished relationships that are very shallow and that become almost disposable because we don't value relationship enough to sometimes have those tough conversations. Uh, are they easy? Are they comfortable? Should we go eagerly running after them? I want to have a difficult conversation with you. Can we get together for black coffee? <laughs> no. Let the Holy Spirit lead us, guide us. This is about being in sync with what the Holy Spirit is doing. But I just got to say, there is richness of relationship. There is richness of life that occurs when we choose to leave half-truths aside that we that we come to each other and, and we we desire honesty and truth in love okay like Jesus truth in love um, that I'd be willing to take a risk to have a conversation that would make this relationship healthier and stronger and I and I know this and I've seen him do it in my own life the Holy Spirit will help us navigate this he will help us as we go in submission and humility and as we don't go with anger and an axe to grind, that he will lead us. I've prayed this prayer many, many years, and it's one that the Holy Spirit loves to answer. Lord, make every relationship in my life everything you want it to be. And as we pray that, I've seen God do that. So he deals with these things called relationship, truthfulness in relationship, being willing to have conversations that are filled with truth and love. And then Paul addresses an interesting assortment of, of, of a wide spectrum of other things. I want to hit these pretty quickly. Anger. Anybody got any anger this morning? I think there's a little bit in our world, in our culture, in our society, across our country. Yeah, there's, there's anger going on. Now, anger is a natural human emotion. Uh, yes. And it is... It is I see the same Bible you do, and I read where it talks of God's anger. So, okay, so I look at this God who is angry, but he's also holy. God is angry at times. He can, his anger, he can be angry, but he is holy, and his anger never compromises his holiness. What can we learn from that? I believe that God's calling us to process when anger occurs, to recognize it, to identify it, recognize it, see, see what, is this, what, is this, what righteousness could this lead me to? Because uh, I look at causes, like, you know, uh, causes against injustice. Uh, those tend to begin when there is an injustice and anger as a result of the injustice, and what can we do to set things right? And it's that kind of, that kind of drive, that kind of uh, momentum um, and Paul is talking here, he's like, okay, uh, 
anger happens. And it's wrong for us to pretend that anger isn't there. It's, that's actually a form of lying. How many times have we seen that in the relationship? You know something is wrong and you know there's anger. Maybe it's quiet anger. Um, one of the things that uh, Mary Margaret and I have been married for 32 years now. And um, first few years of our marriage, uh, I did not realize. I thought I was being a really good husband by not expressing anger. Instead, I would pout. <laughs> Wasn't that nice of me? <laughs> but what I didn't realize was that was just as loud and upsetting as if I had just screamed my head off the whole time. So it's about recognizing, okay, what, what, what are our expressions of anger? Because we all have anger and about different things. Uh, I've been working with a therapist for the last year, and it's been a really, really good experience for me. And as someone who's pretty even killed, I realize, you know what? I got a lot of anger. I got a lot of anger going on. And it's not wrong that I have anger. But what is wrong is when I suppress it and don't let it point me to some expression of righteousness that God wants to do in my life, some work of the Holy Spirit that he wants to bring about in my life when I don't deal with it in healthy and in constructive ways. That's where it can fester. And that's what Paul talks about, it leading, opening a door for the enemy to come in and to, to, to take root in our lives. And so Paul is saying, okay, when you got anger and you're going to have anger, all right, that's okay. Anger is not a sin unless... You don't deal with it in a healthy and constructive way. And he's like, you need to be proactive about this. You basically, before you go to bed that night, you need to deal with it. You need to deal with it. You need to process it. You need to get someone to help you process. And so, um, otherwise, we're just leaving an open door with a welcome mat for the enemy to come in and do his nasty work of stealing from us, killing us, and destroying us. And so, let's deal with our anger. There are good ways to do that. There are uh, ways of, of healing prayer. There's spiritual direction. There's therapy. There's just some good things that we need to do to help us process anger that we all have, whether it is, you know, down, down deep or whether we just find ourselves just going off at every little thing. We need to process that. So I could go on and on about anger, but um, I don't want to bore you with my stories. Anyway, uh, Paul jumps from anger to stealing, and to work, okay? I mean, he's, he's, if I'm all over the map this morning, it's because of Paul's all over the map, all right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Um, he says, anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with their hands that they may have something to share with those in need. What about this? What is our motivation for work? We spent, I think it was summer before last, we spent a whole month looking at the theology of work and, and the fact that work is not a byproduct of the fall. Work was something that God entrusted to Adam and Eve in the garden. So it's, it's, a, it's a, a good thing. It's a wonderful kingdom thing. But uh, if you live in the same world that I do, you know that right now our country's got a really weird mindset going on with the whole idea of work. Uh, it's just, you know, it's just some bizarre stuff going on. Uh, many people have extracted themselves from the, the whole workforce for some very unhealthy reasons. Um, you know, others have very unhealthy ideas and habits regarding work and the lack thereof. So think about this. As a follower of Jesus, what, of Jesus, what if my motivation for earning money 
is not to build up my own 401k or my little nest egg, but actually to have something to give to those in need. That's what Paul's saying here. He's not saying, okay, you need to stop stealing. You need to get a job so you can provide for your family, pay off your car, pay off your house, add to your retirement, get your, your, do a vacation, have a nice Christmas fund. He's not saying any of that. None of those things are bad. None of those things are wrong. But he's saying you need to work to make some money so that you'll have something to give to those in need. It's like, wow, what if that was our motivation? What if that was our motivation? And, and, and I want to say this. Um, you know, here at Vineyard Church, we've got, uh, we're in October. November for us every year, if you're new to our church, is Compassion Ministries Month. And that's, our, our focus is God's heart for the poor. It's not that we ignore his heart the rest of the year, but we really focus in on uh, in the month of November and we culminate our month of Sunday before Thanksgiving with an, a- an annual offering that funds our ministry to and with the poor for the upcoming year. And, and this is above our regular tithes and offerings. Uh, but this allows us to do stuff like uh, our compassion house, our food pantry, uh, and the, the hundreds of families that we're serving every month through that ministry. Um, it, it's all those kinds of things. And, and I want to encourage, if you're, if you're part of Vineyard Church of Augusta, our family, I want to encourage you to begin now praying and asking the Holy Spirit what he would have you give uh, for this compassion ministry offering that'll be received later in November. Our goal is not a certain dollar amount, but our goal is 100% participation from everyone in our church. So um, that's an interesting thought in terms of our motivation for work and for having a job. Paul goes to anger, uh, to stealing, to work, and he goes back to words. Back to words. He talked earlier about being truthful in our words. And this is what he says now in verse 29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Now, back in verse 25, Paul specifically talked about putting off falsehood. uh, Putting off falsehood and speaking truthfully to one another. And if you noticed, it was in quotes because he's quoting the prophet Zechariah from the Old Testament. Zechariah 8, in that chapter, and I would encourage you, go read the whole chapter at some point. Uh, Zechariah 8 is in your sermon notes. If you read that chapter, you'll see that God is giving prophet Zechariah a picture of what the kingdom of God, when it is fully restored, what it will look like for the children of Israel. And he says this in Zechariah 8.16. He says, these are the things you are to do as part of people of my kingdom. Speak the truth to each other and render true and sound judgment in your courts. Do not plot evil against each other and do not love to swear falsely. I hate all this, declares the Lord. And so once again, and you see this in many of Paul's letters uh, throughout the New Testament, the words that we say have great, great power. Use them well. Use them wisely because speaking truth and encouragement to each other are signs of God's rule and reign in our lives. From the abundance of our hearts, our mouths speak. Why, you know, why should we be concerned about the words that we say? Because they are. They are a reflection of what is going on in our hearts, in our lives. It's the overflow. Um, you know, don't, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. 
And church, let me say this, as part of our discernment in terms of what we are saying to the world around us, let's make sure as we are tuned into the Holy Spirit, what he's saying and what he's doing, and as we're recognizing what the need is in the world around us, that that we're putting those two together, that we're not just functioning off our learned script, that we're not just saying words that are not helpful to people, that we're actually speaking to the needs of people, that, 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 we're, we're, that we're building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Let us be people with a really wonderful economy of words that we are listening. Holy Spirit, as I'm sitting across from this person who doesn't know you, who's going through a difficult time, Rather than me focusing on what I think they should do to get their lives cleaned up, Holy Spirit, let me know your heart. What are the things that you want to speak to them today that really address the core issues, those deep woundings, the heart issues that you want to bring healing to, that you want to bring uh, your righteousness to? If we, asked, if we took an inventory of our conversations, whether they were verbal conversations or maybe even online conversations, uh, social, social media postings, how indelible is the imprint of the Holy Spirit on our words? I think it's a really good, good thing for us to ask ourselves in terms of our one-on-one conversations with people as well as our social media postings. More stuff, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Could that include political malice? Could it? Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you and me. I don't, I don't want you to overcomplicate this thing of full integration. I am someone who has every tendency to overcomplicate things. Just go through a Wendy's drive through with me. <laughs> Fifteen minutes later, I'll have my order in. Yeah. No, I, I, I know what it means to overcomplicate things. I am, I'm, I'm that way. That's how I am innately. So for me to say that Paul wants to keep this really simple, he really does. Just, just be kind. Just be kind and be forgiving. If you don't get anything else from this message today, us being in sync with Jesus, us being in tune with the Holy Spirit's voice calls us to just be kind and be mutually forgiving as we have been forgiven and as we have received kindness to do the same to those around us. Kindness and mutual forgiveness, they are at the core of community that is quote-unquote in Christ and quote-unquote sealed by the Holy Spirit. That we would be that kind of community to, to one another. That we would be kind, just simple kindness and, and, and quick to forgive, mutually forgiving as we have been Forgiven. God was so incredibly kind to us. It's the kindness of God that leads us into repentance. 
It's his kindness. He was kind to us. He forgave us. And now he calls us to do the same with one another and to those who are not yet part of his body, his family. And the Holy Spirit will help us with this. That is the good news for all of us. God was kind to us. He forgave us. and He wants us to do the same. This morning, as part of our worship, we will celebrate communion together. And um, as we stand together, I want to invite you to read with me the first two verses of chapter 5. Because this is, this is just a wonderful table setting for what we're about to experience in coming to give thanks to God for his love given to us, to Jesus, for his body given for us, for the Holy Spirit, his presence poured out to us. And so as a church family, I just want us to read this together because this is one of the wonderful bases of, of, of our, our coming together to celebrate communion, the Lord's table. And it's a, a wonderful reminder for us of what we're coming to receive and what we are called to give. So join me in reading this. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you for your love, Lord. Jesus, thank you that you willingly, you selflessly gave yourself as an offering. Thank you, Lord. Holy Spirit, we receive your love. We live in your love. We thank you for your love. We open our hearts to your loving work. Come and empower us. Come and change our hearts. Come and change our way of thinking, our hearts, and the outflow of our actions. Lord, come and do that work in us this morning. We come and we give thanks for your body given for us, Jesus. Your body that bore our stripes and the nails that went in your hand and feet for us. We, we give thanks for your body and we give thanks for your blood shed for us so that we can know forgiveness of sin. And we come this morning and we receive your grace, we receive your love, your mercy. We exchange our anger, we exchange our brokenness for your love and your goodness and your wholeness. We thank you in Jesus' name.